Good morning. I'm Mark Sloan, director of the military ministry here at Centerpoint. Every summer, 120 international military families arrive here in the River Region. This year, Centerpoint's teaming up with the military sponsorship program, which helps acclimate these families into our community. We're looking for families here at Centerpoint who are willing to build relationships with these international families. During the first few weeks, it'll involve things like picking them up at the airport, registering their kids in school, and generally helping them adjust to our culture. The rest of the year, you'll simply continue building these relationships by having meals together, inviting them to sporting events, and just getting to know them. This is an opportunity for us to share God's love, and while doing so, make lifelong friends. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, please email me at mark at I'm Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint, and we are one church that does meet in multiple locations, and this morning I'm going to be filling in for our senior pastor, John Schmidt, as he's ministering in our Cloverdale location this morning, and uh, along with me is my wife, Shelly Green, and we're going to begin to kick off our new series entitled Happily Ever After, and if you, uh, if you uh, open up your bulletin, you're going to see there's an outline in it called Conflict and Communication. If you'll just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen if you need the pen to fill in the blanks. Um, you'll notice that this new series that we're going to be going through about relationship is entitled Happily Ever After with a big question mark on it. And um, many of us go into marriage thinking, man, I finally have found that one that is going to fulfill all my dreams uh, and life is going to be blissful and wonderful and no problems. And then that lasts for about a week. <laughs> and then you realize that though marriage is really good, and it is really good, okay, and marriage is really good, that it is a lot of work. And to have a really good marriage means that you have to be intentional, and it, it's a lot of work. And so this morning, we're going to talk about uh, some things in marriage that will help us have stronger marriages. Now, listen, you might be here today and go, listen, well, I'm not married. married. This series isn't going to mean anything to me. Listen, that couldn't be further from the truth. Some of the things we're going to be talking about, which are conflict and communications and budgets, all those things apply to all of us and can be applied in, in a lot of different ways. We're going to put them in the context of marriage, but you can apply them to a lot of different parts of your life. So before we get started this morning, let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Shelly, will you pray for us? Yes. Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity um, to come into your presence today, Father, and to discuss this issue of conflict and communication and this morning, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would bring light um, to this subject and strengthen marriages and strengthen relationships today. So, Father, just speak through us and move us out of the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Shelly and I have been married for about 17 years, years, and one thing that we have come to find out is that we're different. We're not the same, okay? In fact, point A on your outline states this. God created each of us to be unique and different from our spouses. In Genesis it says, when God created human beings, he created them male and female. And he blessed them and he called them human. God created us different. And many people in our society today believe that, you know, the only difference between male and female are our physical attributes. Listen, 
the more I've been married to someone for that long, the more I realize that, no, we are completely and totally different. We think different. We feel different. I mean, we are made of different, yeah. a different makeup, correct? Yeah, we, um, we're not the same emotionally. We don't approach problems from the same perspective. One thing I've discovered about men is that they tend to compartmentalize their lives. There is the work box. There is the family box. There's the marriage box, the recreation box. And my personal favorite, because I'm so jealous, they have a nothing box. Yes, we do. And this, and this nothing box gives them the ability to just check out and just totally like, um, if they're watching a movie or if they're on the golf course or fishing, they are not thinking about anything except what's right in front of them right then. Women, on the other hand, <laughs> we are we're like spaghetti. I mean, everything is just like all intertwined in there. And he asked me the other day, he's like, what is going on? You just, you seem a little irritated today. And instead of just being one box and talking about one thing, I said, well, yeah, you know, the kids this and the work this and you this and this and this. And it was just all intertwined because it's all related. So we're different. We are different. And not only do we think different everything, we, we process things different. I mean, women need us men to listen and to understand them. To understand right? how we feel. And the problem is that as, as men, we're fixers. If you're going to tell us are your problems, we want to fix it. We don't want to just listen. We want to fix it. And sometimes that causes conflicts within our marriage. We've got a little video we want to show you that I think helps illustrate this really, really well. It's just there's all this pressure, you know. And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. (laughs) How many of you can relate to that, okay? I mean, that's right. We are different. God created us different. Shelly, will you read Psalms 139 for us? Yes. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. All right, you can stop right there. I just wanted to listen to you read that. So, anyway. For the record, it also says, your workmanship is marvelous. Marvelous. It is. Amen. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Yeah, not only are we different because we're male and female, I mean, we're different because we're individuals. Each of you have a different personality, have different dreams, different desires, different things that really 
just get you going, different things that make you angry and mad. It's because God created us each in, as individuals. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how that happens. How many of you in here feel like that to some degree you married someone different than you, like polar opposite? I mean, you know, I, we feel that way, correct? I mean, we're different. We're totally different. Um, I am the saver. He is the spender. Uh, I'm very driven. He's very laid back. I'm an introvert. He's an extrovert. Yeah, and a perfect day for Shelly would be like yesterday. I wake up real early. I take the kids. I take them to go eat breakfast, get them out of the house. So Shelly can have like three hours where no one's in the room and she's all by herself. That is perfection. That's like perfection for her. For me being an extrovert, it's like that would drive me nuts. I need to be around somebody and that's where I get my energy. And so we're different in that way. And it's... And here's a note for us in this, okay? God designed us and our spouses to be complementary, okay? He created us to complement one another. Genesis 12, 18 says, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper who completes him, who makes him whole. And that is what how God designed us. He designed us on purpose to be that way. And here's a life application for us. We need to honor each other's differences, not complain about them. We need to honor, not complain. What we've found in our lives is that our differences, that God created us different, and our differences that are supposed to complete each other actually become a part of contention and a part of competition with each other. A lot of times our conflicts are in those differences that we have because we haven't learned to appreciate each other for who they are. And it can cause problems. I mean, in our life, Shelly, like she said, she's very detailed, very organized. I'm very spontaneous, fly by the seat of pants. I mean, I'm just, that's, that's our personalities. And when we first got married, I'll never forget, I came home one day and, or one weekend. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surprise my wife and I'm going to take her away for the weekend. I was so excited about it. So I got home. She got home from work. And I said, baby, pack your bags. We're going, we're going away for the weekend. And she got this look on her face that was not what I was expecting. Okay? <laughs> because she was not excited about it because she had a hair appointment. And she had this and she had that. And it wasn't planned out. And that drove you nuts. It did. It's so funny because in our relationship, if it were up to Tommy, we would have no money. And if it were up to me, we would have no fun. Because... What I bring to the relationship is stability, and what he brings to the relationship is color and variety. And the two working together is amazing, but we, it took us a while to begin to appreciate those differences. It does, because once you appreciate those things, what you realize is that her strength, they fill in my gaps. They fill in those places where I'm weak, okay? And it makes me a better person. It makes me not just to have a better marriage. It makes me a better person when I can rely on her strengths. And we need to appreciate that. And we need not to just appreciate it. We need to encourage our differences. We need to speak blessings over that and pour into that. Listen to what Ephesians 5.28 says. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. 
And when we appreciate each other's differences, it makes us better. Now, one of the things we've found is, at least in our marriage, is that most of our conflicts have occurred because of one of two reasons. The first reason, this is a note on your outline, many conflicts occur because, number one, because of selfishness. Because of selfishness. And what selfishness is saying that my priorities and my expectations and my needs are more important than hers. That's what selfishness is. And basically what I'm saying is, though, I believe that God designed her. I believe that God designed me better. And that my dreams and my passions are more important than hers. And that's what selfishness is. James 4.1 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? That you want what you want? That's where wars come from. And, you know... Sometimes this happens, especially when we were younger, is I would come in from work, from a hard state work, and when I got home, the first thing I wanted to do was get in my nothing box. I wanted to sit on the couch, I wanted to watch ESPN, and I wanted just all the stress of the day to leave and to go away. And what I didn't realize and what I didn't notice is that Shelly was cooking and cleaning and doing chores around the house, and she had stuff that she wanted to do, but... I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and it caused some conflicts in our marriage. But it wasn't just him being selfish, because when I look back at it, um, (laughs) I was being just as selfish, because I had had a long day with the kids, and my stress was just as real as his, but I expected him to walk in the door and just know. He's just supposed to know that I need help. He's supposed to know that I'm stressed. He's just supposed to know this. Well, he didn't just know, because that's not how he's wired. That's not how he was created. And so it was very selfish because I would be like, here, take the kids, take this, take that. And um, it caused some contention for a while until we finally, we kind of went around that mountain for a while until we were like, you know, this isn't working. We, we have our greatest stress is usually between 3.30 and 5.30 mm-hmm. every day. And he comes home, there's this whole transition thing where it's just intense and we need to fix this. And so we did, but it took some time. It did take some time. There's some intentional conversations that we had to have. I remember one of the first really big fights that we ever got in was, you know, all my life I always wanted to have a dog. And not just a dog. I mean, I had dogs room, but I wanted an indoor dog. I thought it'd be really cool to have this indoor dog. Well, Shelly didn't really think that was very cool. And so we had kind of went back and forth about it. But one day I'm at the grocery store. And there's this guy in this pickup truck with a box that says free puppies. He was a sucker. Okay? He was a total sucker I, no, for no, free I, I thought, I thought it was a I thought it was a sign from God. Okay, <laughs> Free puppies. Yes. God is speaking to me. And so I brought this puppy home. And I thought, I'm going to make this dog an indoor dog. And that didn't go over real well. No, it didn't. I didn't grow up with a, with a dog inside. And so um, I was a little stressed at the thought of it. And the first day he took the dog out of the box because it was this little tiny thing. And the first day he was letting it run around in the living room. Oh, isn't he cute? Isn't he cute? Well, I had some CDs on the floor. That dog pooped on my CD. Your favorite my CD. My favorite CD. <laughs> and so, uh, and I just came unglued. Now, granted, after you've had a few kids and changed a bunch of diapers, you realize how silly that argument is. But at the time, that was a big deal. It was very stressful. It was. And, you know, it was really, it was, it was selfishness on my part because I wanted what I wanted. I didn't really care what she wanted. And that really leads us to the second thing that we've, that's caused the majority of conflicts, and I think in, in marriages, and that is this, poor communication. Poor communication. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? I just want to let you know, Shelly and I did not agree on the direction of the dog. No. <laughs> and we had not agreed on it. 
And, you know, communication is a huge part of relationship and keeping conflicts at a minimal. It is, but also part of poor communication can be miscommunication. Mm, true. And our very first major um, conflict that we had, we had been only married like three weeks. And I told him, I had gotten up that morning, and I said, I want you to know, I know I'm normally home at this time every day, but I've got some stuff going on after work, so I'm going to be late tonight. Well, he gets home, and I'm normally there, and he forgets that I'm supposed to be doing something else. And so, and this was back before we had cell phones, and so it caused a little bit of stress in you, didn't it? Yeah, because you were supposed to be home at a certain time, and it was been like two hours later. I mean, it was like she wasn't there, and as a new husband, I was thinking, something's happened to my wife. So I started, first of all, to get worried. And so I called everybody I knew. I couldn't find her, and I started, then I got my car and started driving around town, and that worry started to turn into frustration, and then that frustration started turning into anger. And by the time I pulled into the driveway and her car is pulling at the same time, I'm furious because my wife did not respect me. I mean, she did not tell me where she was going, right? So I pull in, I slam on my brakes, I slam open the car door, and... He gets out of the car. And I was looking at him, I was like, well, he doesn't look like he's in a real good mood. I wonder what's wrong. <laughs> and so he gets out, and first thing he says, and he puts his neck into it, and he goes... You don't live at your daddy's house no more. <laughs> and my eyes got about this big. And I was like, what did I marry? <laughs> what just happened here? I, I told her, listen, listen, if you're not going to be where you say you're going to be at the time you say you're going to be, you got to let me know. Right? right. <laughs> and, you, and I looked at him and I said, I did tell you. I told you this morning that I had to give piano lessons after work and I would be late and all the color drained from his face. <laughs> and he said, and he said, I'm so sorry. And that is when we first realized that I'm an auditory learner and he is not. He is a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. I need things written down. I mean, I think men in general, I needed things. I can tell her something one time and she remembers it. For me, I need it, I need it written down. And so we've come up with some systems to help in that communication area of our life. And that leads us to point B on our outline. To help prevent and resolve conflicts in marriage, we must be intentional and uh, intentional about communication. We need to be intentional. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. As a married couple, if we're going to be of the same mind and of the same judgment, it probably means that we need to talk about those issues, that we need to be very intentional about communicating with one another to help not only resolve conflicts, but to help even prevent conflicts. And we've actually found four keys in our lives that have really helped in the communication department of our, of our marriage. And the first is this, okay? We must be honest with each other. If we're going to communicate, we need to be honest with each other. And that honesty is communicating your needs and communicating your expectations. Because you come into marriage from two completely different backgrounds and you're, you're not thinking the same things at all. And so part of that is even, even the small decisions. Like he would ask me, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go eat? And he's like, well, let, okay, well, let's go to Jim and Nick's. And I'm like, well, I really wasn't in the mood for barbecue. <laughs> And then, okay, well, let's go to El Cerrito. Well, I really wasn't in the mood for Mexican. 
What are you in the mood for? Yeah, <laughs> I should have just told him, hey, that sounds great. Well, um, I'm really not in the mood for barbecue or Mexican, but I'm up for anything else. And just told him straight straight away, you know? Yeah, we do. We really do need to be honest with each other in our marriages. And it goes everything from how much money do we want to save? How often do we want to be intimate with each other? Where do we want to go on vacation this year? How long do we want to stay on vacation? How much do we want to spend? When are we coming back? Hey, these holidays are coming up. Do you want to go to your parents' house or do you want to go to my parents' house? All those things we need to be honest about. One of the areas that's caused conflict sometimes in, in, in our marriage has been our days off. We finally, it's like we get a day off together. And what I've realized is that her expectation for that day off and my expectation for that day off sometimes are totally different. And if we don't communicate about what our expectations are, we can take a day that was supposed to be this wonderful day off of relaxation or whatever we wanted to do, and it can turn it into a point of a sour, really a sour day. And so we really need to, to, to do that. The other thing I want to say about being honest with each other is this. Make sure you tell each other the truth. When your spouse asks you, how much did you spend on that new dress or those new set of golf clubs? Be honest. They ask you, where'd you go after work? Tell them the truth. Because I can tell you, once you start breaking that trust factor in your relationship, you're going to go down a long road that takes a long time to get back. I mean, there's hope for you and there's help, but I'm telling you, trust is a, such a vital part of our relationships. Listen to what um, Colossians 3.9 says. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Jesus said this, and Matthew recorded it, just a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And a note on this, I want you to write down as you turn your page, is that the lifeblood of relationships is trust. Don't lose trust. Trust and communications are the two key components to a really good relationship. It really is. Trust is huge. It's foundational and if you're if you found yourself there there may be someone in the room today um, or someone listening over the video and you may think gosh well my spouse and I we can't even sit in a room and have a conversation about anything or we can't be honest with each other you know we're just and what I will tell you is sometimes it's extremely helpful to get some outside help and that is that is a key right there if you can't sit down and have a conversation about basic things and be honest and open then you might need to get some outside help. And our pastors um, and our ministers and our site pastors would be more than willing to meet with you. Sometimes having that third party to listen, someone who's not emotionally involved in the situation, they can see clearly. Mm. And they can say, well, this is what's hanging you up. Let's just, let's, you know, this is what y'all need to work on right here. I agree. The second key that we have found to really, really uh, a key component to good communication in a relationship is that we must honor each other must honor each other. Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And honor is simply valuing someone else. It's saying their opinions, their who they are as a person, their dreams, their desires, their personality, that is worth something. There is value to that. And uh, this, last, uh, this past February, we had a marriage conference here at the church and the speaker who came in to speak he said something that, that has really stuck with me. He says, we need to view our spouses as God's children. I mean, when I'm dealing with you and I'm talking to Shelly, I need to view her and I need to ask myself, is God pleased with the way I'm talking to his daughter? Because this is his daughter. 
And I need to honor her. I need to value who she is. And it's extremely important. And uh, there's two ways we need to honor each other. And the first is this, which is point A. We must honor each other with our actions. With our actions. Song of Solomon records this. He escorts me to the banqueting hall, and it is obvious how much he loves me. And when I read this, it reminds me I need to ask myself this question. Do people around me, people who know me, do they, can they see how much I love my, my wife, that I love my spouse? I mean, is it obvious to them that I value her and that I honor her? I mean, when I'm around them, do I speak highly of her or am I always putting her down? Do they see me opening the door for her, going out of my way to do things that I know please her? And we need to ask ourselves because that's part of honor. And not only should we honor each other with our actions, but point B is we must honor each other with our words. Um, The tone and the language that we use are so important, so vitally important. Cussing and degrading and being loud and being forceful. You know, some may have been raised in a home where yelling was the norm, but that is not honor. It's Mm. not honor for the loudest person to be the one who wins um, a debate. And the Word of God says, you know, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But I would take that a step further and say, speak unto others as you would have them speak unto you. And we have found in our home, unfortunately, there are times where you you might see disrespect coming from a child to the parent or amongst siblings. They're just treating each other disrespectfully. And we, you know, at times have realized, gosh, you know, the reason they're doing that is because they've seen me be disrespectful or they've seen Tommy be disrespectful. And so what we've done is we've made a commitment in our home to change the culture. And there's two values that we have, and that is truth and respect or honor. And those are the things that we've asked our children is to be truthful with one another, be truthful with us, and respect one another. You're not going to yell at me. I'm not going to yell at you. No matter how frustrated I get in a situation, We're going to watch our tone, and we're going to treat each other with respect. Now, it's hard to live by, and there are moments, everybody has moments where you you break that, but I think that is something that we need to strive for to try to be Christ-like and to follow him. Yeah, and those are values that are universal. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's me talking to her or me talking to my kids. I need to speak to them with respect and with honor because I need to to actually model for them what it really means to have relationship and to how to treat each other in relationships. So it's very important. And Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many of you heard it said that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me? Okay. How many of you realize that is a lie? It is not true. Matter of fact, there are many times that words hurt a lot worse than what sticks or stones ever would. And they can be so damaging and have such a lasting impact. And listen, the way we speak to each other can bring life and build them up or tear them down. And even the way that we speak to our spouses with our, when our kids are around, if our kids see us degrading each other, that is not healthy at all. So we need to always remember that what comes out of our mouth is extremely powerful. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. And Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes temper flare. Even the way that we respond to each other in the heat of the moment really, really is important. 
Well, and the difference really is learning to respond to our spouses instead of react. A lot of times we want to just react. You know, they push a button and it's just blah, just whatever comes out, comes out. But, um, and ladies, I don't know about you, but I tend to have a long memory. Long memory. <laughs> and one thing that I have discovered is it is not helpful for me to say, well, in 1997, you blah, 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 blah. And here's, here's the truth. There, if there are issues that we have not gotten healing about and we've not mm. been able to really discuss those, those are important, and we need to talk about those. We have found at different times in our lives, there, there have been times where I have reacted to him. There's like a cycle, or he's reacted to me in a certain way. We keep treating each other a certain way. And, mm. But instead of saying, well, in 1997, we sit down and we go, well, why do I? Why do I respond to you like that? And, and be able to say, well, back here, here's what was going on, and this is how it made me feel. But, Shelly, I understand you're a different person now, so I choose to forgive that and to let go of that. Or same way with me. You know, Tommy, I know that you're different now, and for some reason this is stuck in my brain, and I need to move past this. And so it's just so mm. important to not let the past hurts that happen in marriage when you're young, when you're dumb, whatever it is, to define the future of our relationships. Yes, you're right, because a lot of times we we'll find ourselves responding to each other in, from past experiences, yeah. not in present time moments. And that's an extremely important point to make. A point three on your LN is the, the, the third key that we found that's very helpful in communicating with each other is that we must keep a humble attitude towards each other. Peter 3, 8 says, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Ephesians 4, 2 says, always be humble and gentle. And can I tell you, being humble is hard because it goes against our nature. We... We, I mean, humility is the opposite of pride. Pride says, I want what I want. My dreams, my desires, and my opinions are more important than yours. And to keep a humble attitude means that, you know what? Maybe your opinion might be more, you might have a better solution to the problem than I have. Well, and it also means, being humble also means seeking first to understand mm. the other person instead of seeking first to be understood. As women, a lot of times we have a need to really be understood. I just want you to understand how I feel. This is wrong. This is how I feel. But humility is completely counterintuitive. It's the complete opposite because it's seeking first to understand how they feel and what's going on with them because their feelings are valid. And then um, seeking to be understood. But the only way we can do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do mm. it on our own. And there's a couple of scripture references I'd love for you to write down. We weren't able to put them in your outline this morning. But Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And Galatians 5.16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In those moments when conflict and tension are happening, my sinful nature wants to demand its own way. My sinful nature wants to react impulsively and wants to just spit out just whatever is coming in that moment. But I have to make it, if I'm going to be Christ-like and if I'm going to be humble, I have to make a conscious choice to put the other person first and lay down my pride. But again, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is saying, Lord, you know the internal workings of what's going on right now. Help me hold my tongue and, and, and respond in respect. You're right, because I think our natural reaction most of the time when it comes to conflict isn't really to come up with the best solution. Right. It's to win the fight. Yeah. 
And that's really the wrong attitude. Because if we really going to have a humble attitude, we really need to ask ourselves, are we interested in coming up with the right solution? And a note on your outline states that we must ask ourselves, am I trying to resolve this issue or am I trying to win? And many times we battle with each other and we, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what the best solution is as long as that solution is my solution. And that's the attitude that we have. And that is not a humble attitude. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6 says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It, is not, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love really looks for the best solution, not my solution. It's, about, it's a choice that we make every day to, to love the, our spouses. It's a choice every day to be humble and to have that kind of attitude towards them. And when we do, guess what? Our marriages are better because we're working towards the same goal instead of working against one another. And I think a lot of times we forget that... We chose this person that we are married to, and we are on the same team, and we are for them, and they are for us. And if we'll keep that attitude and that as a reminder in the forefront, it makes it a lot easier when we're dealing with issues. It's true. The fourth key component to, to a good communication in marriage that we found is that we must be wise about how, when, and where we resolve conflicts. Okay. Proverbs 25, 11 says, The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Well, can I go on to say that the right word at the wrong time produces the wrong results? Okay? You can say the right thing to your spouse, something that needs to, an issue that needs to be dealt with and whatever, but if you say it at the wrong time, you're not going to get the results that you want. Am I right? Yeah, um... I work full-time now, obviously, here at the church, but when I was a stay-at-home mom, um, I, I was really, really guilty of this because I, I made the mistake multiple times of being in the middle of cooking. I have been at home with the kids all day. It is stressful. You're trying to break up fights. You're trying to run the household and have everything ready. Tommy comes home from work, and the first words out of my mouth were, well, how much did you spend at Academy today? You know, or you forgot to do this. You forgot to take out the trash. Or what if the kids got in trouble at school today and you've got to deal with it right now? We've got a crisis and it's got to be dealt with right now. And he's like, well, hello to you too. You know, how was your day? And my timing was completely and totally off. Were those real issues? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do they need to be dealt with? Yes, but not right then. Exactly. I mean, the right, like you said, the, you were saying the right things, but it was at the wrong time. And there is a, there's a time for everything. And here, here's, here's the point A I want to make on your outline. And if you don't hear anything else that is said today, clue into this and, and, and underline it, mark it. And it's this. We must set a time and a place to communicate and resolve conflicts. And we need to do it on a regular basis. Matter of fact, if I were you, I'd put weekly. And for us, that's what we found. We, we, we have a time that we set aside that is scheduled weekly so we can discuss our schedule we can discuss any little irritations that we've had with each other, what's going on with the kids. We have a time. We schedule every other meeting in our life. But one of the most important meetings we need to have is with our spouse. So we can actually talk about, okay, who's taking the kids to ball game? Who's bringing them home? Who's doing this? All those things need to be discussed. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 7 through 8 says. For, every, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Women, I just want to let you know, and men as well, when your spouse comes in from work, and the first thing they do when they get home, that is a time for peace, not a time for war. Your home needs to be a place of peace. It needs to be a place that you look forward to going. And so bringing up issues that right off the bat, that, that can, that's just not good. Don't do it. It's not the right timing. We've discovered there are four times to never discuss mm. anything of importance. And this is what they are. Um, anytime one of you is tired, if you are rushed and in a hurry, um, if you are angry, or if there are other people around, that's not a good time to discuss something important. And the thing about if you are angry, and we should have put this in the outline, James 1.20 says the um, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so often we get ourselves in these situations where there's a conflict and we're angry and we just you just want to punch back, you just want to say something, but we forget that's not really going to produce the righteousness that we're after. It just makes it blow up. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're right. We should have added that scripture because our next scripture is James 1.19, which is right before that. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if we have a time that we set aside to specifically discuss issues, guess what? You have the ability to be, uh, to, to, to be quick to listen, to slow to speak, slow to become angry. Those things don't become an issue. Anger doesn't become an issue because you know that you're going to have a time where you're actually going to get to discuss those things. You know, the second thing that we found out to be true in this about setting time aside is this. We must choose our battles wisely. Let me just go ahead and say this. Not every irritation that you have with your spouse is worth going to war over. Some of that is their personality. Some of those things you can live with. For us... Um, some of the things that we grew up different, did things different. And so when we first got married, I remember that Shelly would have me fold towels. Okay, great. I had no problem. I'll fold towels for you. And I'll fold socks. He's horrendous. But the, but the problem was I didn't quite fold them to her expectations. And it really, at first, we went to war over how towels should be folded. Is it folded in threes or folded in half? Okay. Well, here's, here's finally had to come to you know figure this out it took it took us a while you got to ask yourself this question is what i'm arguing about is this thing that i'm really irritated about is it going to matter in two weeks Hmm. does it really matter for the amount of trouble that i'm about to stir up this mess that we're about to go through is it really worth it i mean does it really matter if we maximize every square inch in the dishwasher Does it really matter if the towels are folded in half or in thirds? Is that life or death? Are our children going to grow up, you know, deprived if those things don't happen? Absolutely not. It's just not worth it. It's not. So so what we will say this morning to you is this, okay? Understand this. God has created your spouse different than you. And you need to value that and honor that and respect that. And understand that that can actually strengthen you as a person if you tap into that, okay? It's very important. The other thing is communication is a huge component to resolving and, and allowing not conflicts not to even happen in the first place, preventing them. And the way we do that is, listen, we need to be honest with each other. 
We need each other to tell each other the truth. We need to honor each other and understand that my spouse was designed and created by God. Created by God. And she's just as valuable to him as I am. We need to have an um, humble attitude with each other. We need to not always say that it's my way or the highway, that we have to be right all the time. I don't, listen, we don't, we don't, I don't always have the best solution to the problems that we have. Can can I hear that one more time? (laughs) You didn't say that in any of the other services. That was fun. You you can get the CD. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Replay. But we do, we need, we need to do that. And the other thing we need to do, okay, is we need to, if you hear anything else, we need to set specific times that we meet with each other. That Not only do we discuss conflict, but we discuss our lives. And a lot of times we get married, and the last thing we forget to do is to schedule dates, schedule time with one another, and to, to really pour our lives into each other and to value one another. It's hugely important. Will you pray with me? Father, I just want to come before you today and thank you so much. Lord God, for the opportunity to come and discuss marriages, Lord, how they relate to us, Lord God, how, Lord, how you want strong and healthy marriages, how you want us to honor each other and respect each other and treat each other as your children. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us do that. Lord, I pray that you would help us be organized enough and intentional enough, Lord God, to set aside time to meet with one another. Lord God, that we wouldn't be selfish, but that we would tell each other the truth and be honest with one another. Lord, this morning I want to come before you, and Lord, I want to pray for the marriages that are represented in this room. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray if they're struggling, Lord God, that uh, Lord God, that they would seek out help, and Lord God, that they would do whatever it takes, Lord God, to resolve the issues that are going in their marriage, whether it's their attitude, whether it's their actions. And uh, Father, I pray for just this to be one of those days that uh, people go home and they talk about uh, what, was, what they heard here today and how can they apply it in their marriage and how they can apply it in their lives. So Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things in the marriages of this place. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.